We're going to read the whole chapter and stand together for the reading of God's holy, authoritative word. May it really bless our hearts this morning. Hear God's word to you. Dear friends, the word there in the Greek is actually loved ones, agape love. So it's a little weak. Just want to let you know. Dear friends, agape, agapoi. This is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. First of all, and again in the Greek it's most of all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, Agapoi, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in, in, in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard, so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and forever. And all God's people said, Amen. Please be seated. How to read that whole thing, because you got to get the punchline comes in the end. Amen? Alright, this is such an awesome passage. We're breaking it into two this week and, and then two weeks from now, I believe next week we have Pastor Craig the following week. But, so let's pray one more time 
for the message because I need the Holy Spirit's help on this one. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you don't, even though you don't draw attention to yourself, you are equal with the Father and the Son, and that you uh, glorify the Son, and that you illuminate our hearts and minds so that we can understand the word that you authored. And so we pray this morning that you would take these words, and that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see, that we would be among uh, the good soil that receives the word and that bears fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100-fold. Speak to us this morning because your servants are listening. We pray it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Now, my brothers and sisters, uh, in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if there's one doctrine that I'm most willing to give and to risk my life for, if there's one hill I'm willing to die on, it's the Bible's clear teaching, uh, hopefully at least Pete could guess this, that salvation from sin and its consequences is a free gift of God's grace alone, received by faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Now, we could debate modes of baptism. We could debate you know, what the order of events are going to be before Jesus comes until the cows come home. That's fine. But this one, I'm willing, I'm willing to go to the mat with literally anyone and trust myself to Jesus what happens. Why? Because that's the apostolic gospel that Peter, Paul, John, and all the other apostles and all their associates preached. And that's the gospel, listen, this is important, that the prophets testify to in the Old Testament. There is no other gospel. There is no other good news. Any other message is no gospel at all. Now, the epistle we've been looking at for the last few months starts with grace. Chapter 1, verse 2. Peter starts with grace, and it ends with grace. Chapter 3, verse 18, we just read it. But grow in what? The grace, the unmerited favor, the free gift of God. Grow in that. Mature in that. Peter reminded us right up front that even our faith, this is a mind blower for some of us, even our faith was something that we received as a gift. Remember what he said? A faith, you received a faith as precious as ours. And so we have the same faith as Peter and Paul and John, the ones who first walked with Jesus. And as we come to the last chapter, of Peter's second epistle, we find what his deep and what his abiding concern for those who have received a faith just as precious as his and the other apostles is. What's his big, what's on Peter's heart? Why did he write this letter? Here's the punchline, chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Listen up, because this is going to set the pace for what we're going to look at this morning. Peter says this, be on guard, watch out, be on the lookout. So that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. Instead, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Notice he gets all the glory. You grow in grace and knowledge, Jesus gets the glory. It ain't about you. It ain't about me. What Peter is saying is don't follow them on that path because 
I, I got to tell you something, Peter's saying. That path leads to destruction. Instead, grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. For that's the path to life. That's the path to peace. And it's the only way, remember the heart of this epistle, it's the only way to spiritual stability. Make sure we're not wobbly. Make sure we're not waffling up and down, but we're stable, secure in the gospel. So what Peter's saying, thank you, sister, what Peter's saying is you're saved by grace, great. Now grow in it. He's saying you have a true knowledge of God. It's not a false knowledge like these false apostles and false teachers. Praise him. Now mature in it. Stay on that same road and just go further up and further in. Go deeper on that same road, the straight and narrow. Now, how do we do this? You know, as I've grown in Christ over the years, my question is always, how? I'm glad I got the why. It's great. We, we, we get all souped up. We're like, great, let's go grow in the great. Uh, excuse me, fast. How do I do that? Yeah. Like, I want to do that, but how do I do that? That's what chapter 3, verses 1 to 16 is all about. So Peter kind of tells us, he doesn't kind of, he does tell us what growing in grace looks like. And that's what we're going to be uh, taking a look at this morning. And then again, in a couple weeks, we'll finish it up. And where does he start? Now, it shouldn't be surprising to those of us who have been walking with Jesus for quite some time and we've been in his word. We start with having our minds stimulated with wholesome thinking. Because as a man thinks, so he is. We are not to be lazy thinkers. Alright? Love the Lord your God with all your what? Mind. You know, oh, I can't bother memorizing the scriptures. Too much work. Oh, that's interesting. How many other things you want to do, you, you don't have any problem putting the work in. It's a joy, right? I play my guitar all the time for many hours so much my wife's probably like, please, stop. But it's work because I want to get better, right? Because I want to well, he says we need to have our minds stimulated to wholesome thinking. Thinking the right way, the godly way, the helpful way, the way that's going to build us up. And notice what's very interesting. What is this wholesome thinking? It's thinking that's in keeping with the word of the apostles and the prophets. It's not a very popular word in our world. But that's what Peter's been reminding us of all along throughout this epistle. Particularly the word of the apostles and prophets as it relates, now we find the punchline here in chapter 3, as it relates to the promised return, the glorious return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's the doctrine that Peter's been pointing our attention to all along. Jesus is coming and we would do well to constantly keep that truth in the forefront of our minds and thoughts. That's what the prophets were telling us. That's what the apostles have been telling us. And still speak through the scriptures. Now here's the thing. It's a purifying thought, isn't it? The thought, it's a sobering thought. Jesus is coming. But it's also one of the most deeply encouraging thoughts that you could ever meditate on. He has not left us. He will not stay away forever. forever. Someday he's coming to claim his throne. It's his. It's what we've been waiting for all along. That's the end game. So despite assertions to the contrary, 
The promised coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will certainly come to pass. And so here's the point. Thus we must engage regularly in this wholesome thinking and live godly lives in light of it. That's what Peter's saying. We must constantly be meditating on this and then live godly lives in light of it. So we're going to look at three things we're going to see in this text. The first one is evil scoffers deliberately forget God's word. So the evil scoffers, that is the false teachers in this particular case, they deliberately forget what God said in his word. But secondly, we're going to see godly believers, hopefully that's you and me, we must never forget God's word. Never. And then third of all, since God's word will come to pass, how ought we then to live? That's what we're going to see. So let's take a look at the first one. Evil scoffers deliberately forget God's word. So Peter starts off by reminding us words spoken in the past by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Prophets, and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. I love that phrase. Your apostles. They belong to us, the apostles. They're our servants. They're our brothers, our brothers. We can own them in the sense that they own us too. Part of the same family. And the first thing he wants us to be aware of, the most important thing, is the fact that he knows, even way back then, scoffers are going to come. Won't be surprised. They're going to be scoffing, that's what it says in the text, and notice what they're following. This is very important. Following their own evil desires. In other words, the sinful nature. And what's their message? Where is this coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. So what's their claim? Their claim is same old, same old. Right? Same stuff, different day. Ever since God first made the world, there's never been any change. It's all this talk about some great event that's going to come and some great judgment. What they're thrown shade on is our Lord's own promise to come back again. As it was found in the Old Testament prophets, and then as it's also found through the ones he sent into the world, the apostles. Just two quick examples, because I want you to see this. This is what uh, Paul, Peter's talking about. First is Isaiah 61. It's a very uh, short verse. I want to bring you my couple verses. You might remember Jesus walked into the synagogue one day. Luke chapter 4, I believe it is. And he opened up the scroll of the prophet, Isaiah 61. Best sermon in the world here. He didn't even have to preach. He read the Bible. That was the end of the sermon. He gets up and he reads these verses. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Remember that? And you know what his sermon was? Today, these words are fulfilled in your hearing. And the text says, and he sat down. Man, talk about mic drop. Amen? That's me. Let's pray. That was the sermon. Some of you say, man, I, I wish I would let that sermon. But there's something interesting that if you don't go on to read in Isaiah, there's actually another line that Jesus stopped at. He did not quote this part. The very next line of the passage he quote says this, 
and the day of vengeance of our God. Why did he stop there? Because he didn't fulfill that yet. He was talking about his first coming. That next part, he was going to fulfill, and he is going to fulfill when he comes back again. In all his glory with all his angels. That's the prophets that Peter's referring to. Now, of course, the apostles, I thought, what better one to give, bring to your attention than 2 Thessalonians 1, 6-10, the apostle Paul says this, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. See, remember I said, our, he said, our, your apostles, we're all in this together. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you. And hopefully we're all going, whoosh, right? Because you believed our testimony to you. That is the apostolic testimony. Now the scoffers who will be coming and have come following their own evil desires, mock this idea of Jesus' Jesus's imminent return. Now, how could they say such a thing? Why would they make such a bold, audacious, and fallacious assertion? Well, Peter tells us. This is important for us to, to keep in mind. That's what he says. They deliberately forget certain facts. It's a purposeful amnesia. It's not, oops, you know, when your kid says they forgot, but you know they didn't forget they just say they forgot because they know they're in trouble. Come on, parents, you know what I'm talking about. What they forget is this. Their supposed empiricism, which means you can only verify what we can see, what we can taste, what we can touch, right? The problem is their empiricism isn't empirically true. In other words, the world has not gone on exactly as it has since the beginning of creation. That's not a fact. That's a fallacy. It's historical fallacy. Because what did they forget? They deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. And by these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. In other words, they forget that God in the past sent a, a disaster, a catastrophe of global proportions. I wouldn't call that things going on as, you know, as usual, would you? The God who created the heavens and the earth and the great waters, remember it says in Genesis, the spirit hovered over the waters. That same God later flooded the, saint, the earth and brought about destruction. And in particular, notice, what did God destroy? The ungodly. You remember Noah and his family got in the ark. And you remember who shut the door of the ark? Said, it says in the text, God did. Sure did. Now, to speak in today's terms, they, that story didn't quite fit their narrative, did it? It blocked it out of their memories. Why? Here's the reason, because they don't want to walk in the way of righteousness, so they deny the blessed hope of Christ's second coming, because if they acknowledge it, 
then they'd have to adjust their lives accordingly. Think about it. These scoffers would have fit right in with Noah's neighbors. Right? How did Noah's neighbors react? The Bible tells us he was a preacher of righteousness. They scoffed. They laughed. Oh yeah, there's going to be a flood in the desert. Yeah, all right, Noah. You're, you're one kooky guy. But what did Noah and his family have? They had faith in the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord warned Noah saying the floods come and start building. You know that's all Noah had to go on? Was God's word. Guess what we have to go on? The same thing. So Peter says this in verse 7. By that same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. In other words, the day that's coming is not going to be water this time. Got, remember the rainbow, the whole beauty we see a rainbow? Hey, God's not going to flood the earth anymore. Amen. No, this time, this time it's coming in fire. God's going to judge the earth, but one more time. Ungodly people will be destroyed on this day and they'll have to give an account for following their own evil desires and for what? Denying the truth. They'll have to answer for scoffing at the wholesome warning of Christ's second coming and instead following their own evil desires. Instead of listening to the word of the prophets and the word of the apostles. Because brothers and sisters, God still speaks today through what he has already spoken. It's a fresh contemporary word. We come here every Sundays to hear a fresh message from an ancient word. One writer put it this way. Although the flood was an advanced warning of what will happen, it was a picture painted on a small canvas compared to what God has in store. Think about that. The flood was small compared to what's coming. Listen, the false teachers encourage people to follow their own sinful natures as they themselves do. In other words, as Jesus said, it's the blind leading the blind into the same pit. And they tell them, listen, this is what the difference between a false prophet and a true prophet. They tell the people, don't worry. You could play now and you ain't got to pay later. True prophets say what? Repent of that foolishness. Put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and live out of gratitude now for him. Yeah. His way. For your own good. For the good of those around you who are watching you. Yeah. We talked about this week, Miss Elaine and I were talking about how kids watch their parents. A lot of times us parents say one thing, we do just the opposite. And we wonder why our kids go a certain way. But they deliberately forget the false prophets. They put out of their minds this very fact. And they want you to, to keep it out of your mind too. That someday judgment has already come. And that's just a reminder that it's coming again. But their selective memory doesn't jive with the facts. This world was disrupted by a cataclysmic flood of judgment. It hasn't gone on the same since the beginning. And it's coming again. So they forgot. Now Peter's second point is simply this. They forget, but don't you forget. That's what the text says. We must not forget God's word. Look at verse 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. 
With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. As some understand slowness, He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now listen, don't forget this one thing. This is what Peter's saying. To make it succinct for us this morning. The Lord's timing is not our timing. He's not simply saying that God doesn't mark time like we do. What he's saying is that God is not purposefully making us wait because he's taking his sweet old time for no reason. As if God is just kind of, you know, eh, I'll put it off a little while longer, make him sweat. It's not what's going on. What's going on is this. You want to know the reason for his delay? Peter tells us. Because in his infinite mercy and grace, he's giving us time to repent. That's how good he is. You can't help but think, think about God's promise to Abraham recorded in Genesis 15, 5 and twenty two seventeen. You remember what he promised Abraham? He said, Abraham, I will make your descendants what? As numerous as the stars in the sky and the grains of sand. On the seashore. Now we're from the seashore. We know how many, you know, we, we drag that sand home whenever we go to the beach. We know you can't get rid of that stuff. You know how many grains of sand are on the beach? You wonder why now, why God's waiting? Because he's building up, as one songwriter puts, he's building up his sand tree. And it ain't done yet. Phil Kage's song, Abraham. Look at the stars, Abraham, and believe I am. Can you count stars, Abraham, or the grains of sand? And then the, the songwriter says, I see why the tide keeps rolling. I see why the tide keeps rolling in and building up the sand tree. You know why, brothers and sisters? Because God's a merciful God. He's a God that does not enjoy the death of the wicked. And he especially wants to make sure every single one of his elect, his people, will be ready when he comes. Peter Lewis once said this, The delay of Christ's second coming is not, after all, the failure of God's plan, but rather the condition of its success. You get that? That's the condition of God's success, that God's plan's success, is that he waits and gives us that time. So having given these solid intellectual satisfying and intellectually satisfying and heartwarming reasons for Christ's delay in coming, Peter right away adds this. Look at verse 10. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will dis disappear with a roar and the elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. true god is patient and he's gracious and that's why he's waited but there will eventually be an end to the waiting he will not postpone his coming forever his coming is inevitable and it will be like a thief in the night remember that's how jesus said it would be remember that's paul uses the same analogy and now peter uses it same thing c.s lewis he has so many great quotes about the second coming, but I want to remind, remind you of this one. When the author walks on the stage, the play is over. <laughs> God is going to invade all right, 
But what is the good of saying you're on his side then? When you see the whole natural universe melting away like a dream and something else comes crashing in. This time it will be God without disguise. Think about that. No incognito. Something so overwhelming that it will strike either irresistible love or irresistible horror into every creature. It will be too late then to choose your side. Hear that, brothers and sisters. That will not be the time for choosing. It will be the time when we discover which side we really have chosen. Whether we realized it before or not. Now, today, this moment is our chance to choose the right side. Isn't that powerful? This last Tuesday, I got, uh, had the opportunity, the joy, of bringing the Word of God to uh, Stockton Christian Fellowship. Excuse me one second. And as I was preaching and teaching, one kid raised his hand, one young man, and I was talking about the final judgment, and he said, um, will we be able to talk to Jesus then? <laughs> But I loved his, his, his innocent, honest question. And I'm glad he could ask it so I could clarify. And I said, my friend, that'll be too late. The reason I'm here tonight is to tell you to get right with him now. To receive him as Savior now. And as Lord now. So that you'll see him as Savior then. And not as judge. Now is the time to repent believe and to live your life in light of that great event so you'll be ready the day of the lord will come like a thief it'll come when we're not expecting it and so lastly and very briefly because that's going to be my whole message next time but i want to end on this since the word will come to pass how ought we then to live and i literally just want to begin with this i'm just kind of let leave you with it Verses 11 to 13. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, here's the punchline. What kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming, that day will bring about the destructions of the heaven by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with this promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Now, it's a purifying force, isn't it, when you think about the Lord's second coming? Because it propels us forward to do what? To live holy and godly lives. Because we don't want to be caught not ready. See, the opposite of the false teachers who indulge in every kind of evil, living like that day will never come. See, that's the two options. Are you going to live for only what this world has to offer? Grab all you can now. Oh, I'm missing this. I'm missing that. I'm... Brother and sister, let me tell you, you ain't missing a thing when it comes to worldly uh, passions and pleasures. For those who believe, who live out their faith by fighting sin, living under righteousness, Walking in holiness of life by participating in the divine nature like Peter talked about in chapter 1. By clinging to the promises of God's word. Those of us who do that, that day is not something to dread, but it's something to look forward to. It's what we've been waiting our whole lives for. 
I mean, ultimately, when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to sharing my faith, when it comes to living our faith, what do we ultimately want to see? We want to see people worshiping, honoring, and walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. And on that day, that's all you're going to be able to see. Far and wide. See, on that day, this old world's going to melt away. But in keeping with this promise, we're looking forward to a new world. And notice this, it's the home of righteousness. Now, if righteousness meant absolutely zero to you now, why would you want to be in a world of righteousness? So you better get a taste for it now, is what Peter's saying. Think upon these things. Live your life, your life in light of them. Uh, Peter's fellow apostle said this. As I come to a close, 1 John 2.17, um, they worked together in life and now they're both in glory with Jesus. Uh, the Apostle John says this, the world and its desires pass away. They're not going to last. But the man who does the will of God, he's going to live forever. Can I get a witness? If you're just starting your journey, or if you haven't started your journey yet, excuse me, Now's the time. Don't wait even another minute. Don't wait till you go home or think about it. I'm telling you, bow your head now as we close in prayer in a couple moments. And get right with God and say, Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. I want you. And for those of us who have been on the journey for quite some time, maybe it's time to come back to our senses. Maybe we've been given in to the world. Maybe we've been looking more like the world than those who follow the king. And it's time to... Snap out of it and align our living with what our lips say we believe. Because the day is coming, brothers and sisters. Let's speed the day if it's coming by living for Him. Amen? Let's pray. These are strong words, Father. But we need them. We need the strong medicine of Your Word because we live in a polluted world. We live in a world of all kinds of voices and all kinds of messages telling us to just uh, do what feels good or follow um, you know, what's in our own hearts instead of following the truth of your word, which never leads us astray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you took our place for those of us who put our faith in you so we never have to face that wrath. And Lord, we just pray that you would enable us by your grace to live like it like the new creatures that we are, and to remember and never forget, you are coming back, and you won't delay. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.